Pixie Death Sentence. Uh, we're on the line with Gabriella Herstick. She is the author of um, Enchanting the Elements, which is a new book uh, out that's kind of a, a, bit, a bit like our last episode was a first for us by covering YA. This is a first for us by covering some, some occult shit, some like dark magics. Well, it's like we, we talk about it like basically all the time. So it felt, oh, yeah, you know, loads. proper yeah. that we, you know, actually get someone other than us. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Because uh, admittedly, our, our own experience with the with the the dark side is a little uh, esoteric, and and I think Gabrielle is a little more mainstream than we are. Um, but it's hard to be mainstream when you're also occult, because that's like the very <laughs> definition of not mainstream, because that's what the word means. They're all extremely relative terms right now. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but uh, first, I wanted to like just get some Fs going in the chat because. Uh, Bernie endorsed Biden, and that's just—I knew he would, and I know he's going to be campaigning for him. And I'm a grown-up, and I know why. And yeah. I didn't expect him to be like to just like savage him, or just call out the DNC for like literally holding people hostage in order to make him drop out. But I still, you know, you know when something's coming and you know it's bad, it's going to happen, and then it happens, and you're still like. I really wish that didn't happen. The thing that really <clears throat> gets me about this is I'm the same as you. I don't begrudge Bernie for this. I think people expecting that he would walk away and not um, not endorse Biden were um, not thinking in terms of any kind of political realism. Um, like that just wasn't going to yeah, happen. Never on the but, but the thing that bothers me about it is more the superstructure around it because this is exactly what happened in 2016 um, when it when he lost the nomination. He immediately turned around and endorsed endorsed Clinton. <laughs> MFR said endorsed. Uh, <laughs> uh, said then uh, then campaigned super hard for her. He did substantially more campaign stops than her following his endorsement than she did. Uh, and the exact same thing is going to happen here. And the exact same outcome is going to happen and i mean i i can't predict the future i don't know that biden is going to lose the trump i strongly suspect it and I mean, we don't know if he's going to even make it to november i mean do you see the yeah, guy that... talking today it was it was just word salad like like it was stuttering he i i have a stutter sometimes i had a really bad stutter when i was a kid he has word salad because he has dementia it's there's a I... massive massive difference <clears throat> I, I wonder sometimes whether he has dementia and I, 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 I have some concerns about like the rhetoric that we employ around that, but he definitely seems to um, be fading. Um, he, he seems senescent um, and senescence isn't something that necessarily is like you're 60. So now you're senescent. It, like that's where it can become ageist is to say that like at this line you're, but he, he definitely seems to be slipping um <clears throat> i'm more i'm preemptively angry because we're going to get the same number of articles and like bloviating bullshit <clears throat> about like oh bernie endorsed him but he's not doing a good enough job to keep his mm. bernie bros in line and current affairs is still saying that biden's a dumb rapist piece of shit which i mean is still going to be true 
Um, yeah. Even if you build an argument that, and I think to be fair, there is an argument to be built that Biden is fucking God awful, but mm -hmm. there is a real concern about, we saw what happened in the immediate wake of Trump's first election and Trump getting a full eight years would be a political confirmation of, of that kind of open far right ideology, as opposed to the previous um, very mildly unopened far right ideology of America, but <clears throat> so you could build that argument. They're not though. That's that's the the second part of this is people campaigning for Biden seem to be pathologically incapable of understanding how the fuck you campaign for people. It's like if you want a group of people to vote for you, you give them a bone, and this is I guess step zero. You don't show constant open contempt for the people you want to vote for you. Mm. And yeah. like trying to get that through to them of like, it's not going to be every person who likes Bernie, but there are going to be a number of them that you can sway uh, to at least vote against Trump. And they're like, how about I say that every leftist is a self-centered, childish, idiotic piece of shit. And if they don't immediately agree with me, then they're also a fucking idiot moron, baby. And you're like, D -d you <laughs> What? Why would that work? And they're like, I don't understand what I'm doing. <laughs> or like I, this, this literal exact thing happened in my country. We're, we're like, we're like maybe six months ahead of you guys on this stuff. We'll probably be no. We'll be, we're about a year ahead of you guys on this stuff. Yeah, that's, the, I, I was thinking about the stuff that oh yeah, broke yeah, yeah the, yesterday. The, um, the labor leaks. <laughs> this. Um, so if you haven't seen this, uh, folks at home, um, a bunch of like high-end, like career Labour Party people, so our equivalent of Democrats. So basically, a, a centre party that has some leftist elements mm -hmm. in in there. Um, they like openly conspired to throw the twenty seventeen election, which Jeremy Corbyn lost by two thousand five hundred votes. Oh, that's like nothing. Nothing. That's like a hair. It's a sliver. Yeah. Yeah, I got more people in my neighborhood. Like, my street has more people living on it. And it's, yeah. And these people, like, despised him. They hated everyone who li liked him. They called them trot trots, as in Trotskyites, which, you know, they should probably be have forced to define that word if they're going to use it, because I'm pretty sure they're using it wrong. Um, yeah, they, and because of that, because that of those twenty five hundred people, now, well, first a hundred thousand people died out of the Tories' like policies, and we we're now facing like the NHS is underfunded. They've got no masks. They're wearing bin bags, if they're wearing any protective gear at all. Um, there's also um, this is just in the last few minutes, really. Um, I, I left this news website put up a story about how some of the claims that um boris johnson made about him you know going to hospital and being on his deathbed and then miraculously coming back from the brink of death a ton of it didn't add up but then the website that that was that story was on just you know, disappeared just kind of didn't wasn't on the internet anymore so um hmm, just wondering what's going on there it's uh seems a bit odd. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, it's uh 
so our, my con our country is a test case for your horrible country right now usually you're ahead of us on this stuff but we we've got you beat we um we're really like just absolutely destroying ourselves over nothing right now and just being just terrible to the to people who are just trying to help and just want good things to happen i'm but, uh, looking forward to being told that so obviously we get shit thrown our way as leftists when we imply that the dnc somehow has uh control or deep sway over cnn or msnbc or major news um spaces like the new york times and washington post and while that's a little bit fair it's it's more um more in tune with uh dialectical materialism <clears throat> uh to say that they have very similar interests and so they don't have to actively exert control cnn mm -hmm. wants to lean in that direction that is the direction that they prefer because it aligns with their class interests you don't have to directly manipulate them if that's what they want um but and they'll Same they'll say like the party people and they'll say like don't be conspiratorial the dnc isn't like saying we'll pull whatever if you even though they are and that's actually a really common tactic in the political sphere is to pull the ability to go but whatever that's a separate thing but then we'll immediately turn around and insist that somehow magically bernie sanders controls chapo <laughs> and controls like uh current affairs and that he can Jack snap his fingers and yeah. And it's it, like trying to convey like, no, these are places that like him. That's weirdly conspiratorial to think that there's somehow a direct line or it's like, or trying to convey like it isn't a, a personality cult. There are a lot of leftist critics of Bernie Sanders, a lot of them. Mm. Like, yeah. and it was a, a work of massaging from campaigners to go, these are all fair, but be honest isn't this the best shot we have to at least move the football and then expecting that like if you convince a communist that he can vote for a democratic socialist you can't then expect him that he's going to vote for a centrist democrat or a republican Demo or a conservative democrat depending on how you you view biden like that that's completely unrealistic and they're like well biden or bernie won't get us the communist vote also i don't know how many votes they think that this is going to be called i i don't fucking understand it yeah yeah i i, I don't know how many i i mean we 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 feel like uh chapo trap house and current affairs and jacobin are big in our world but they're really not like they get like three hundred thousand listeners to a to a chapo episode on, on a good day and that's like that's like a soap opera airing like 2 a.m. on a minor network. It's also a global listenership, too. That's oh, the yeah, other yeah, thing. It's, it's, it's oh, not yeah, like 300,000, exactly. yeah, even 300,000 New Yorkers where that would be still a relative drop in the bucket. But yeah, they, they like sold not out, even 1%. Um, but. They sold out a big venue in Manchester. That's like a, there was a good thousand people there. And um, yeah, it's that they've got a big global listenership because we, British pe people in the rest of the world like hearing about bad things Americans are doing. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, so um, yeah, it's those institutions are really not going to pull in big numbers. And I mean, if if they're dumb and they're thinking, well, we can like cross our arms and stamp our feet and hold back our listeners, and therefore Biden will never get the vote, then then that's very stupid.
they don't seem to be. They haven't really released any statements so far, except for I think Matt Christman going on Instagram pre-drunk, um, which is entertaining. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's yeah, I I, I no idea what's going to happen in November. It could be Biden. Who knows? That's probably the least worst option right now. That sucks. But we're we're gonna talk about some empowering shit. We're gonna, we're gonna get our, our like energy back up right now. Because mm. we're gonna yeah, things are bringing us down, and we're gonna get back up onto the etheric plane of imminence and pure thoughts that you know. Um. So Gabriella, yes. welcome to the show. Thank um, you. Thank you for writing now two books I've, re- I've read by you. Uh, so you put out a uh, craft a few years ago now, wasn't it? I don't know. Uh, it was about this time two years ago. I think it came out like March 14th, 2018. Mm-hmm. Then. Yeah. And that was like a kind of very general introduction to magic with a CK. From yeah, now on, it's... every time I say magic, it's going to be magic with a CK, just to differentiate it from like David Blaine and people. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's like a... My goal with that book was if you are new to witchcraft that you could read that book and then have like create your own practice. And my second book, um, Bewitching the Elements, kind of takes that a step further and a little bit more, um, a little bit less general and more specific. And it goes kind of a little bit deeper into creating uh, hopefully, you know, the goal is to have an empowering ritual practice that helps you feel grounded and connected and centered. Hmm. And it's using like the, the imagery of the four elements, four classical elements as like um, a framework for this. The four classical elements as well as spirit or ether. So oh, earth, spirit. fire, water, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, okay. I mean, the obvious question first, really, how did you get into witchcraft? Yeah, so I, I'm i very, very Aquarius, of a lot of Aquarius placements in my chart. So I I feel like I'm, I'm just, I have always been interested by the unknown. I grew up in an environment that fostered that curiosity. Um, so I, my mom has been into meditation and yoga and crystals and all of that since long before I was born. Um, and my dad is a rabbi and, um, they both just kind of fostered that curiosity that I had. So, you know, I was talking about God as a three-year-old and just like holding crystals and breathing them with them as a little child. And I can't really remember a time where I haven't been curious about energy or the occult or any of that, but the beginning of my journey more specifically with witchcraft started when I was about 11 or 12. I was in middle school, which fucking, oh, sorry, which blows. Um, and you, you can I, say fuck on this. Okay, we, we, cool. we totally allow it. Cool. Okay. Good to know. Um, so yeah, middle school sucks, but I was gifted a deck of Oracle cards by this artist named Brian Fraud um, that were fairy Oracle cards. And, I eventually found my way to a book called A Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk, um, which talks about witchcraft and nature-based religions and nature-based practices, because witchcraft itself isn't a religion. There's no singular god or goddess that you have to worship to be a witch. It's a 
a way of life, a philosophy, kind of like Buddhism, where, you know, Buddha's an enlightened one, but it's not, you know, he's not a, a necessarily a god. Um, so you don't have to be pagan to be a witch. You don't have to believe in any kind of divinity besides the fact that energy and the earth are sacred. Um, so I was, I read this book called The Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk. And a couple years before, when I was like, I think nine years old, I had gone to Salem, Massachusetts on Halloween um, for <laughs> nice. my birthday on Halloween with my sister, my twin sister and my grandma. And I didn't know this at the time, but Halloween is a pagan holiday, the witch's new year called Samhain. And I saw a ritual and I ate a pomegranate, pomegranate seeds and went to the witchcraft museum and remember standing in front of these wax figures who were talking to me about witchcraft. And I, when I found this book, A Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk, a few years later, it kind of connected all of these dots. And there was an intense, intense recognition of coming home, of like finding something that felt so familiar that I knew that I had found before in other lives. Um, and still to this day, over 13, 14 years later, um, I still haven't had that same feeling that I had then. So I, my obviously my parents thought that it was a phase, which I understand because what 12 year olds like, I'm pagan, I'm a witch, like still had to go through my bat mitzvah ceremony. And it was definitely difficult, but it really just affirmed the fact that I'm, I mean, I identify as pagan. So I work with a lot of different gods and goddesses and, um, I still am a witch and practice magic and I went through this like initiation into becoming quote unquote an adult in Jewish and Judaism while knowing that I was pagan and a witch. Um, and I've just continued that practice. Um, I wanted to be a fashion writer. So my background in, is in fashion writing um, and I went to college for that. But I started a blog years years ago, a fashion blog, and eventually started writing about witchcraft. And then that led to writing for magazines and then lots of my books. So, um, yeah, I feel really, really grateful and privileged to be able to write about witchcraft it's something that people are still being accused of it can still in other parts of the world result in imprisonment or death um so i'm very aware of the privilege i have for writing about this um and for how like i have a lot of reverence for the the things i talk about and write about um so yeah it's been a really beautiful and unexpected journey Cool. And yeah, one of the things I like kind of about your books and about your like uh, online presence, I guess, is you bring in that fashion element to it pretty hard. Like you, your Instagram is like really great. Just like very, very uh, stylish. And it doesn't look like much else out there. Uh, oh, admittedly, I've been on Instagram for like two weeks. So no, I'm probably not uh, the best judge of that. But um is that that side of things like bringing in fashion and glamour to it um is that something you you can incorporate into a, a, a spiritual practice absolutely i mean you know i've been thinking this is something i think a lot about and i think that there's this you know obviously there's this kind of stigma on beauty and glamour and fashion 
because of, you know, the way capitalism and patriarchy kind of push this very narrow minded view of what those things are. Um, that's something I've always, you know, I'm very aware of. I'm also a skinny, able bodied white woman. So I recognize that, that privilege that I have with beauty, you know, um, but the thing is, we live our life in clothing. Unfortunately, most of us aren't nudists. And regardless if we pay attention to what we're wearing, we're wearing something. For me, magic is meant to fit into the life that you have. It is something that needs to be personalized for you to have a personal relationship with that energy, with whatever you believe in. And one of the ways that we can do that is by being intentional throughout our day to day, which means to me being intentional about the clothing we wear. Doesn't mean that, you know, you have to get dressed up all the time and like put on a shit ton of makeup or like there's no one right way to do glamour magic. For me, it's just thinking about, you know, colors and textures and energy and how you feel in something and then using that as a framework to further engage with ritual and with magic that can be through wearing black when you want to feel protected or wearing a certain crystal when you want to connect with that energy um it can be something like matching what you're wearing to the phase of the moon or what the sun is in what zodiac sun sun is in or a crystal or a flower there's like never-ending well of resources for you to kind of incorporate a more magical element into what you wear. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, quote-unquote feminine. It can be wearing denim or putting on, like, your favorite T-shirt when you want to feel really good and lucky. Like, all of these things are are valid. Um, and one of the things I, I've also been thinking a lot about is the fact that beauty is the language of the divine, right? Like beautiful things make us feel something. They make us believe in something. Like, you know, I grew up Jewish. I I have not, I've probably been to one church service in my life, but I've been lucky enough to travel a lot and go into many, many places of worship. And like, even if you don't necessarily believe in, you know, whatever that church preaches, you can still go into a holy place, a sacred space and see and feel the beauty of it. And to me, witchcraft and magic are having that in your own life and creating those kind of spaces in your own life. And one of the ways we can do that is by tapping into beauty and magic. Um, you know, there's this occult maxim, as above, so below, as within, so without, that reminds us or says that we are reflections of, you know, the all, the divine, whatever it is you believe in, that we are manifestations of the greater energy that is out there and just as the universe is infinitely expressed through all of these lenses of beauty and magic so too are we able to express ourselves that this sacred self-expression or that the self-expression is sacred and that you know like we're i just truly believe in the power of knowing thyself and like the power of exploring who you are and i think that one of the ways we can do that is through glamour, is through transforming ourselves from that outside in. Um, you know, magic is changing things according to the will and changing things on different planes of reality. It starts from the inside and then works itself outward. And I think that glamour is another way that glamour being, you know, beauty, fashion, all this stuff, um, it, it transforms us from the outside in. So you know, I think that if you're only wearing things because somebody else told you should wear them, then that's not necessarily the most magical. But 
it, you know, especially somebody who's, who identifies as a woman, like it, it is very empowering for me to decide what I want to wear, uh, regardless of how I'm going to be viewed or how I move through this world. Um, so I just, I think it's just another facet of, of magic and ritual that a lot of us already have relationships with, even if it's not the most intentional. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that comes up quite strongly in your book is that everyday things can be very real ritualistic and people do rituals they have their morning cup of coffee mm-hmm. they open a paper they mm-hmm. like virtually everyone has like something they do as a ritual it's just they don't call it that it's just my morning cup of joe yeah and um so i forgot where i was going with this <laughs> so, but and like magic with ck the occult has always been in this other space of like you have to draw a circle on a certain day and you have to have a silver wand and you have to call down the demons that do the thing and you have to bind them and so on but um i think from like the 20th century onwards the idea that no real other just regular stuff is magic is has been a kind of the a new a paradigm shift in the way people view the occult as um, you know, something anyone can do every day mm. rather than something for a initiated grandmaster to do on the full moon. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, you know, there's power in both things. I think that there is power in, you know, like more ceremonial magic that you, you know, is passed from mouth to ear that takes a teacher to really help you learn. And I, as a student of the Western mystery tradition and studying um, Hermetic Kabbalah, I definitely also have reverence for that kind of magic. And I didn't really expect myself to ever be a student of that tradition, but I found the right teacher and it just fit. Um, And I think that, you know, those things are very valid, but as as long as there's been ceremonial magic, this kind of gatekeeping, situation that's going on with people who think that you have to be initiated to be a witch or an occultist or whatever there's also been folk magic there has also been people common people you know quote unquote peasants or not you know not people that belong to the to royalty or to the inner court that have been working with magic for as long as there's been religion right like a long for a long time religion and in many ways still religion has you know you it's not there's this kind of separation between the common people and those that are like in the church or in the temple or whatever. And folk magic, these practices like working with herbs and charms and talismans has always been a way for the common people to use magic and to use energy and to use power. And I think that as, you know, we continue moving through this Aquarian age from the age of Pisces that was, you know, the 19th and 20th century that we're seeing that this that these practices are for everybody. Um, I don't fuck with gatekeeping. I think that there's a a time and space to be initiated into things. I think that working with the coven is very valid, but I also believe, and now more than ever, I feel like magic is for everybody. We need these rituals and these practices to help us feel supported, to help us feel empowered and to give us faith in something, you know? Like I, the power of the mind is everything. there's this idea that, you know, the Kabbalion says the, you know, the, the, the all is mind. The universe is mental. 
that the, the universe is a mental creation that we are a part of and that we are all co-creating. And when we use our minds as tools, as wands, as magicians, then we have this ability to transcend and create. And I think again, that there's, you know, I hold a lot, a lot of reverence for these traditions that have been passed down. And I do think that there's a time and space for everything, but I, I believe in the magic of, I, I believe in the power of magic to change lives and to change the self. And I think that everybody needs that. So I think that the two can coexist and that they've always coexisted. But I think because of the internet, because of technology, because of social media, we're able to have access to so much more information than we ever have. Like, I just think about being a journalist and being a writer. Like, if I was alive even 50 or 60 years ago, I would have a different job because I'm too lazy to have to go to the library and look up everything and handwrite a bibliography. Like, I just, you know, like, we're all, we're all students of the time. We're all living in this time for a reason. And um, I think that gatekeeping isn't going to help anybody. And, you know, I, it bothers me when people think witchcraft is just like a cool trend that, you know, you can buy into because we have to remember the legacy of all those people who have been killed for this very same thing that we're doing, you know? So I think that it, that both are true, that you can have a lot of respect and recognize how lucky you are to practice something while also recognizing that it's not yours to withhold. Yeah. So tell me, um, just for people who might be listening at home who maybe aren't as uh, a fave with this stuff as we are, so, so the Western Hermetic tradition, what, yeah. what, would that, what, what does that involve specifically? So the Western mystery tradition of, is uh, a branch of occultism that is, you know, like while we have Eastern traditions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Western traditions are began really with uh, occult lodges like the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which started in the late 1800s and was popularized by um, a lot kind of Aleister Crowley and there were a lot of other famous occultists. Um, the classic Rider Waite tarot deck was made by Pamela Coleman Smith, who was um, a student of the, or a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So the Western mystery tradition uses the Tree of Life, which is a Jewish Kabbalistic, um, I guess, sigil or a symbol that has different spheres and explains the story of creation really it talks about energy being coming from the unmanifest to the manifest and with this the western mystery tradition has used uses a tree of life as a glyph for both the universe and the self and has overlaid this with astrology numerology tarot um, all there's paths that connect each of these different spheres on the tree of life and each of them have different associations um, so there's rituals and different kinds of magic that the western mystery tradition i guess um that that are specific to that but it's really kind of this like overlap between different like greek and egyptian and jewish and even some kind of like gnostic um practices that are seal are i guess part of this western tradition so the 
it uses he the Hebrew letters and the Hebrew alphabet, which is the magical language of the West, uh, as opposed to Sanskrit, which is the magical language of the East. So um, it's ceremonial magic. So it's kind of, you know, there's like ways to do everything. And um, I don't belong to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, but I study with a teacher who that's kind of her that's how she was trained in her background. But the school that I go to um, is called 22 Teachings, founded by Naha Armadi, who is one of my mentors, a dear friend, uh, teacher. Um, and again, like I never really expected to study this kind of magic, um, but, sorry. Um, it, I was just lucky enough to just align with it. So it's a little bit more um, like, regimented or I guess I don't think that's a word it's a little bit more specific than just like witchcraft because it's it is like a a lot of the traditions are um what's it called like there's kind of like a hierarchy and you have to be initiated the school that I study with is so is there's no hierarchy and it's a self-initiation so it's kind of different but western mystery tradition is just pretty much like western occultism that has been brought to life by the Rosicrucian peoples and orders and the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn among other schools of schools and mystery traditions, I guess. Yeah, it's probably like a, what a lot of people would think of when they think of like magic. It's you know, circles and magic spells and things, uh, demons yeah. and stuff like that. It's a little it's, bit more seeped into the, the pop culture because of people like Aleister Crowley. Yeah. Even words like abracadabra is a literal mm. magic word. Yeah, um, I, as I spell, I create. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're just going to break for some a little musical, little musical break here. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, I think I've picked up your cough, Landon. Yeah, I transmitted it through the internet. I thought that I was suffering alone, and I seek always camaraderie in all things. So I gave you my illness. This is my solidarity. Nice. Okay, I'm I'm happy to share this um, cough with you, um, and runny nose apparently. But um, so the band. So we're going to play for this particular episode. A couple of live albums have just come out because I don't know why a bunch of bands are. Putting out live albums right now. Well, I do know why, because they can't actually play live music anymore. And they need to, you know, monetize every single recording they have. Which is fine because, you know, we want to give them money. Especially when they are the band out of heaven. Because uh they just rule so hard. Um they've got uh Derek from Two Molds uh, uh sitting on I think he's he's drumming for them now. Is he drumming? I th I think so. I don't I I saw the news that someone from Tomb Mold had joined Outer Heaven. Um, I didn't look too much further than that. I do know that he is actually like in the band now. It's it's He's not like oh, I just looked up. He's playing bass. Okay, okay. So it's kind of like drumming, but with a guitar. Um, all bass players will hate me for that saying that now. Um, but so they uh, really came to the fore a couple of years ago with what with like a huge huge album <laughs> excuse me and um just absolutely love these this band um they're not 
I, I wouldn't put them quite on the same level as two mold or blood incantation just yet, but they're they're very, within spitting distance. Um, so here is one of their songs. It's well, my easily my favorite song by them, Blood Spire. Um, they yeah, and this- that that's sort of like their uh, that's that's their big one yeah, for good reason. It's it's yeah, exactly. it's a really fire song. Yeah, that and that like initial riff with a kind of like weird Eastern kind of melody to it is just yeah, really loving it. Uh, and so this is them playing Blood Spire at St. Vitus. Um and also another reason why we're playing this is the St. Vitus Bar in New- in Brooklyn, um, which is like being every every band you love has played there and yeah. will play there soon. It's it's the mecca for all great heavy music at the moment. And it is probably going to shut down because of uh, the virus. You know, they're 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 paying rent, but they're not putting on shows. So um, just another. And their landlord, like all landlords, again, I'm not going to get too much on my my Mao soapbox, but you know, the brief version. I agree with Mao on this point. Their landlords are being huge parasitic sons of bitches, um, and despite the fact that they know that those businesses cannot draw income, they are forcing them to heal off of the back of being landlord pieces of shit. Yeah. But we rep St. Vitus here. Yeah. Both the band and the venue. (laughs) Yeah. Not the, no, not the band. Wasn't the band. Oh no, the band was fine. I I, I get them confused with Pentagram for some reason. Pentagram is musically good. Yeah. As I say, like Pentagram is good. Bobby Keeble is a piece of shit. Um, Big time. But um, anyway, so, here is uh, I was gonna say two mold. Here is Outer Heaven <laughs> with a member with an ex member of two mold at St. Vitus. You're still in two mold, okay? So, fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna read like background on bassists. <laughs> He's the guitarist of two mold. He's the guy who, who writes all the, the fucking sick ass licks. Um, okay well, okay, well, he's also a bassist, that's so, true, yeah, which is barely a musician. And um, technically true, yeah, drummer is just not a musician, and um, <laughs> vocalists are weird, yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, here is them playing Blood Spire, great song at St. Vitus. Thank you. 
real bad cough now what's going on i psychosomatically cursed you yeah you probably did i used my demon spell um which is when i concentrate on my own illness and transmit it to you only you uh and it worked (laughs) again did you know that every time you've been sick for the past three years of your life it's been me i I did that i have been getting sick more these last three three years so that does make a lot of sense I do sometimes enter, given my spate of insanely bad luck for like a long stretch of my life that then, <laughs> did I ever tell you about how I was uh, poisoned by mold? Oh, that, oh, I did that, tell you. I told yeah. you a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that was, uh, yeah. You were very badly poisoned by mold and sewage, as I believe. Yeah. I, I, so, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, Every now and again, part of my brain's like, no, Langdon, you're you're a dialectical materialist Marxist. We don't have room for. And then shit like that happens. And I'm like, then the Grant Morrison and like, like uh, Crowley and part of my brain kicks up. It's like, you know what caused it. <laughs> You've wronged somebody. <laughs> they're they're killing you with with mold. It, it's like Gabrielle said, it's it's so above as below. Yeah, you, know, you you were feeling shitty. The world got shittier for you. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Literal thanks, mold. Thanks, world. Yeah. What I'm feeling bad. What I crave is to be poisoned by mold for six months. That's <laughs> that's really. It did add a certain je ne sais quoi to it. Like it was really hard to take my own suffering seriously in the midst of all of that because of how like intensely psychosomatic every part of my life had become for that stretch. And it, it's one of those, um, I sort of, I offer this sometimes as the uh, the uh, Marxist materialist uh, type who who still indulges in, in occultism is that for some people who have 
some anxiety about it because they feel that they don't want to indulge in overly magical thinking for any number of reasons. That's, you know, there are different stances on this stuff and that's fine. Um, is that, uh, you can also imagine it as like a, a phraseology how to interpret your own experience of the world, even if it, even if for you yourself, it doesn't necessarily always match the mechanics of the world and having that kind of novelistic parsing of my mold poisoning was certainly very useful in a, uh, a like comedically trying time. <laughs> it was like, I'm poor and my daily dinner is normally two pieces of lunch meat that I dip into Caesar dressing. That's not a joke, by the way. I, I lived in extreme <laughs> okay. poverty for a stretch. Um, and it was literally like, here's my daily one piece of bread and two pieces of lunch meat, but they have to last all day. So I can't eat them at once. Um, because I also have mold poisoning on top of that. It was just... So, oh. so Gabriella, talk us through our lagged mold problem here <laughs> from, a, from a cult perspective. Um, okay, how... how so if you... if you Let's well, broaden it a little bit. If you're going through a shitty time in your life, hmm? if, you're, if you're broke, if you're depressed, if you're really down, what, what can the occult offer a person? Hello. You oh, there? Uh, oh yeah. Yep. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it disconnected. Um, oh, sorry. Can you repeat? So you're going through a shitty time in your life. What was the rest of the question? Okay. So say 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 someone is at their absolute lowest ebb. Hmm. They're, they're depressed. They're poor. They're really going through it, and probably a lot of people are right now. Mm -hmm. What what can the occult? What, okay, what can that person? What's that person's first step if they want to use the magic, the occult, whatever we want to call it, to not solve their problems? Because we know, like, you know, yeah. wishing your problems away is not going to work. What can they do to use this as a tool to make things a little better in some aspect of their lives? So I think a lot of people have this kind of misconception with like new thought practices, which are like, can, can, are things like the law of attraction um, and like, you know, the mind creating things. Our lives are, you know, there's a lot of different laws of the universe working at once. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of different things happening in our world that we're not in control of. So, you know, the first thing is when I, when I talk about this in my book too, it's like when we think of the base of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's, you know, food, uh, shelter, like all these kind of physical things, which I, I connect to the element of earth because the element of earth is connected to our physical world, our, our home, our jobs, all the things we can touch, right? People, relationships in a physical sense. Um, and when we're struggling to just survive, that is where our energy is, right? Like we don't, we, you can't really think beyond that. So I just want to take a second to acknowledge that, that, you know, even though mind metaphysics are real and I do believe in them, that that's not the only kind of spiritual law that's operating on this plane, that there's a lot of different kinds of things that are happening. So, you know, when we're in survival mode, that's like what's most important. But if you are in this mode, I think that, one of the things that you can do is 
simple grounding meditations and protective visualizations. Take You don't have to start by meditating for two hours. You don't have to start by meditating for 10 minutes. It can be three minutes. It can be even less than that if you need it to. But taking time and visualizing roots moving from the base of your spine into the earth and feeling the core of the earth feeding you warm, nourishing, protective energy that moves throughout your body, up your spine, out of the crown of your head and connects you to the light of the cosmos. And just pulling down this energy from above that's protective and pulling up this energy from below that's grounding. And really just taking time to find those roots and to breathe and to find presence. We can't control what happens outside of us. That's something that's made very apparent with COVID. But we for the most part, have the privilege of controlling how we react to it. So I think that grounding and really just, you know, even laying on the the earth or practicing breath work for a few minutes and giving yourself space and a container to process your emotions is so important. Um, you know, there's a lot of tools we can use for magic, obviously, whether it's candles or a wand or, you know, burning herbs. But the thing is, you don't need, you do not need any of that. If you have your mind and you have the ability to think that is truly all you need to, to practice magic. So grounding meditations, breath work, you can maybe be practicing a fourfold breath where you inhale, hold, exhale, and hold for four seconds each piece can help us find space when we feel like we don't have any. Beyond that, protective visualizations, I love to visualize a mirrored orb around me. So like a sphere that goes above my head and, and and closes my whole body below my feet. Um, I like to imagine a mirror and knowing that only things that serve my highest good, that work in 100% light, that are here to help my evolution can move past this mirror, this sphere that I've created. And any negativity is just bounced and reflected away. Um, you like can visualize any specific, oh, sorry? It's like a, a force field. Basically. Exactly, yeah. you know, like, exactly, that's what it is. And in magic, a lot of us will cast a circle of protection. Well, again, we can just visualize as a mirrored sphere, sphere really of, you know, any color. Colors each have their own vibration and they e each have their own energy. Um, and you can intuitively feel what, you know, what color you need, whether that's red for fire and passion and for manifesting or white for protection of the highest kind and healing and visualize this kind of protective orb around you. Um, it, like you mentioned, can be really, really difficult to find these moments of ritual and pause when we are in survival mode. And I don't, you know, like, I'm not here to be like, magic is going to solve all your problems because like, there's so much at play, right? Whether you're, you have a home, whether you're a person of color, like all these things will affect you because unfortunately our, you know, at least the US was built for a very specific kind of person and not for the collective. Um, but taking these moments, taking time to work with your mind and not against it will start to open up spaces in new ways and allow the magic to flow in a new way. Yeah. And I think coming, coming back to something you just said, well, like the real world is going to affect you. Like um, I see a lot of people criticizing like astrology, for example, because you'll have a, a horoscope in the newspaper and it will say everyone born between these certain dates is going to have these certain things happen. But, uh, you know, if I'm I'm an Aries, I'm just coming up to my birthday next week. Yeah, and, yeah, and um, some kid who was born in the 
in the Congo who's a child soldier is and uh, a peasant farmer in uh, Bangladesh and a um, I don't know a billionaire who are all born on the same day who would say all born on the same time as me are not going to have anywhere near the same experiences because of astrology or the stars um, but you know it's can still you can still use that as a, a viewpoint no matter kind of who you are it could be can be me in manchester it could be someone in the in the congo with an ak-47 uh, we're all kind of you know it's it's it it doesn't make any claims that's going to override everything going on in people's real physical lives yeah and i also want to point out that when we're reading our horoscopes we are reading one piece of our birth chart, right? Like that is a very, very small part of astrology. Um, your birth chart, if we looked at all of the planets and where they were and how they were interacting, what was going on at that time would give you a very, very different picture than just reading, you know, this like very generalized thing. Um, you know, all of these astrology and tarot and numerology and meditation and visualization, all of these things work on, on different realms in different ways for different people. But I, you know, I think that a lot, you know, there's a lot of people consider astrology this kind of like nonsensical thing. I think partially because it, so many women are in it that there's this kind of like, you know, it's like we don't consider like cross-stitching art and like kind of have all of these ideas about things that women do what are being less important which i don't want to generalize there's obviously many many astrologers who are men um but i think that we you know especially with that it's easy kind of to disregard when we have one piece of the elephant thinking we have the whole elephant um so while you know like reading your horoscope might not resonate with you it's like it's like doing one spell and thinking magic doesn't work and never, you know, and just like not looking at the other factors or learning why maybe that ritual didn't work. So I just wanted to throw that out oh, there. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And kind of coming back to something uh, Langdon like um, alluded to just after the break was, do you have to believe in, let's say the supernatural uh to have some sort of magical practice but this is a kind of devil's advocacy question because um yeah i kind of know the answer i kind of know roughly what you're going to say um, um or maybe maybe i don't but um do you have to believe that there are say literal spirits or that uh where you're born on earth can lit and the stars above you can literally affect your life in some way no, but I also feel like if you're drawn to these things, if you're drawn to magic, if you're interested in these things, then you already kind of understand that there's more than just us, right? I mean, the only thing you believe in, need to believe in is that energy is real and that everything is energy. And that is something that, you know, we already have proven scientifically um, that, you know, matter can't be created or destroyed everything is just a bunch of tiny things vibrating so fast that we think that it's you know solid matter um so no you don't need to believe in spirits you don't need to believe in reincarnation you don't need to believe in gods or goddesses but you do need to believe in the fact that we are children of the earth that we're animals that there's a cycle and a pattern that the earth and the sun and the stars and the moon move in i mean if you look at the 
the the way that the planets move in the sky if, like you trace out their whole orbits like it's you know these really gorgeous geometric patterns that we see in flowers that we see in a snail's shell right like all of these things are are connected scientifically too but you don't need a you don't the only thing you need to believe in is in the natural world in energy and in yourself in my yeah, opinion but, i mean yeah, you kind of just need to believe in the stuff that's right there in front of you, the, the empirical stuff, like a snail shell is the Fibonacci sequence, and so is a whirlpool, and so is the ga the galaxy, and so is probably the entire universe. It's all yeah, above, so a big below. spirally thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. And uh, an, an atom, an uh, electron flying around an atom is pretty much the same thing. It's, um, yeah, so it's so good answer. <laughs> and... Um, um, so and also um, another thing you alluded to earlier is the um the kind of genderification it's not a word the 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 forced gendering of certain practices in in magic at the moment especially i mean talking about especially now because you've had a over the last say three or four years there's been a, a kind of trend of uh witchy stuff being a very a feminine um aesthetic you don't really see a lot of uh, a lot of men using kind of witchy um, fashion, for example, or um, doing things like tarot cards or astrology. It's uh, it's got a it's got a reputation of being a certain kind of like Instagram girl um, kind of thing to do. And I think you can get like tarot cards at Forever Twenty One now. And uh, there's um yeah, it, it's gotten it's gotten to be a thing and. Yeah, and there was, you know, a long while ago, people. If you thought of um, who who does magic, it would be the wickedest man in the world, that terrible Alistair Crowley, and people like Jack Parsons and Elron Hubbard. And um, and there are certain like practices now, like I know um, chaos magic always had a very like male kind of energy to it, mm -hmm. and uh, Satanism seemed kind of very male as well i had like women around they were generally like naked and covered and stuff but um why do you think we we put it we put this stuff which is like completely metaphysical completely out there into these very like binary categories of this is for guys this is for girls and never the twain shall meet um well i feel like it's because the people at least historic first off the people historically who have been killed for witchcraft have been women there's always been a link between between that between you know people suppressing power in any way they can which was in a lot of ways that also i you know i do agree that there is kind of this like very masculine presence within especially ceremonial magic chaos magic satanism like you mentioned but that often that's because the women who were either practicing or creating the tarot decks, like I mentioned, Pamela Coleman Smith, um, their, their ideas just weren't, they weren't seen, they weren't heard there, you know, we're, we live in a patriarchal society. So a lot of these people who contributed vastly to magic, whether it's Diane Fortune or, um, Pamela Coleman Smith, or, you know, for, um, like other occultists who were women um weren't weren't i guess celebrated in the same way as as men have historically just because that's our you know our 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 culture um 
but I think, you know, the thing is with magic and witchcraft is that it relies on intuition. It relies on the subtle. It relies on the receptive. And these are traits that women, not necessarily that we have more of, um, again, because there's so many different kinds, you know, so many different gender expressions and all of that. And I don't want to invalidate anybody who's, you know, gender fluid and practicing magic because everybody can be a witch. I truly believe that. Um, but women have been forced to be more emotionally aware of what we're saying and how we're going about with the world because we have to be sensitive to the patriarchal society we live in. So the traits are things that are fostered because of, of the conditioning of our society. But I think that, like I mentioned, since, you know, there are so many witches who have been killed that were women, the, the tie between witchcraft and women can't be broken. It is an inherently feminist act to reclaim your power outside of the cultural patriarchal norms that you've been given that we have, you know, that are established in this country that was established by white rich men with slaves. Like it is the system that we're living in. And I think that, you know, yeah, I used to be like annoyed that places like Urban Outfitters have tarot cards. But again, like people are going to find their way to these practices no matter what. And I think that especially especially right now with what's going on in COVID, with covid we need witchcraft more than ever because we don't know what's on the other side and these practices are are really rooted in love and the collective witchcraft is a way to connect with everybody and um i think that oh, one of the reasons that we know so many amazing men who are practicing occultists or ceremonial magicians um is because the practices of folk magic, of working with herbs, of working with the sun, of sitting in circles when you're bleeding or um, going through like the menstrual process have been frowned upon and have been lowered because women's value is not seen the same way that men's value is. And I think that there is, we are finding a balance that in the Aquarian age, we are coming back to matriarchal society, which doesn't mean that women are better than men. It means that we all collaborate and we work together and we honor, you know, ancestry and what our elders have to say. Um, so I think that there, you know, witchcraft is in a way a lot, very inherently feminist, but to say that there haven't been women practicing the occult for as long as men is just erasure. And I, mm. I think that it's just that, you know, we validate men's work or that men will take, have historically taken or claimed work that's not their own. And that, um, you know, sometimes it's easy to get kind of sidelined in the, in the process, especially when women didn't have the agency and the freedom that we do now to self-publish or to be on Instagram or to be sharing collectively that it was reliant on structures that wanted to keep them oppressed. Yeah, I mean, you brought up uh, Dionne Fortune earlier, and she was like a like a, a, a good parallel to Alistair Crowley because they would work in a lot of the same fields. She was mm -hmm. doing just as um, much work. She was um, she she should be just as important, but she's going to be a very obscure figure nowadays just because Crowley was Crowley was like a complete narcissistic self-promoter. And he could do that very male thing of like 
just going into the room and saying, everyone, look at me. I'm about to do something crazy. I'm about to fuck a goat and cover myself in blood with Satan. Everyone look at me. And, you know, the unfortunate was a bit more uh, academic about it. And her uh, stuff was more nature-based and very, um, yeah. And, I would um, argue that anybody who studies Western mystery tradition and studies Kabbalah knows of Dion, though. Like, oh, the yeah. Kabbalah, like, we, you know, she's, I think a lot of us are, those of us who, you know, are practicing art, helping to level the playing fields, I guess, energetically. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's like the same reason that Anton LaVey was so, you know, so many of us know him. He and Crowley were master marketers. They were really Mm. good at creating a brand. Um, And yeah, just like, I just think of the, the Rider Waite tarot deck that was completely illustrated by a woman of color that we don't, it's her name's not even, even Mm. in most of the decks. So there's definitely a lot of a lot of layers there. Are, are you, do you see yourself as uh, fighting back against that? Because you have a brand, you have a very a very strong look uh, with your stuff. Your your stuff is very well designed. It looks it looks great. It reads great. Is, is that you uh, taking back a little bit from these like big names in the occult scene? Um, I don't think it's. I, I mean, I definitely feel like my work is, like, I want to make sure that, you know, my work is aimed at women, at non-binary people, at femme people, because I feel like so much of the work, so much of witchcraft is, you know, you read an old witchcraft book, and it's he, him, all that kind of stuff. I want to make space for women, but I I'm less interested in, like, proving somebody wrong than I am and adding a voice that just feels in integrity and authentic to what I believe in, which is what I write about and the way I live my life. Um, so I, you know, recognize that I am, I do have a voice, which is something I don't think I expected to in this field in this way. Um, so I'm more concerned with going forward than I am of changing the past. Good answer. And, um, since this is a show that also plays uh, a lot of heavy metal music, hmm. t- tell, us some, tell us a little bit about Satan. Let, let's let's <laughs> let's get into uh, the 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 big names here. It is obviously Anton Lavey is full of shit and probably an awful person and um, probably shouldn't be listened to. But is huge is that dumb piece of shit? <laughs> huge dumb piece of shit. Yeah. But um, is there a way of for a person to to work with satan as an archetype or lucifer as an archetype and just can it be done in a non-idiotic corny way to yeah absolutely i mean i feel like a lot of people think of lucifer or satan as you know like this antithetical thing to god which i guess in many ways it is but those a lot of you know satanic witches who do work with satan nine out of 10 of them probably don't see Satan as a deity or as a Christian, the way that Christian people have come to define Satan in the Bible. When talking about Satan, it just means adversary. It's like a advisor to, to God. Um, and when people work with that energy, the archetype, often I believe they're working with, um, with the idea of free will of, of your personal, 
freedom to do what you believe in and you know that that archetype represents every the the antithesis to what the christian god represents which you know meaning that this form of satan represents freedom exploration um deviance right going against the norms that we have been told to abide by and really knowing thyself and honoring thyself i think that there's many witches who work with this kind of satanic figure without casting him as a christian the christian view um i think of the band twin temple who are satanists who have had the pleasure of interviewing and connecting with and the work that they do about free will and working with this satanic archetype and satan and practicing in a way that honors the self um I'm reading, I'm currently reading Season of the Witch about the occult, how the occult saved rock and roll, which is a really, it's a really great book. I highly recommend it to anybody yeah. else, you know, interested. Um, and it, you know, I think that a lot of us, when we think of Satan, think of the kind of Christian devil, but like that archetype was a lot, a lot, was there before before Christianity adopted it and subverted it. So I do believe that there are ways that we can work with Lucifer, work with this bringer of light in, um, a, you know, in a place of positivity and in a place of empowering the self. Um, because when we have that connection, when we believe in our own power and connection to the divine, then we don't need to go to church. We don't need to pray to a preacher. We don't need to, you know, confess our sins because our connection to the divine is is personal and i think that you know the these establishments these religious establishments are threatened by that because then they're going to be it makes them obsolete and obscure because we don't need to go through somebody else to connect with the divine and i do i definitely think that's a big reason that the church has always felt threatened by witches even though the catholic church is so ritualistic and so magical and thinks that they're eating you know all this alchemical shit with eating the blood or the body of christ and the blood of christ like when we don't have to answer to anybody else but ourselves, then we bring our power back into ourselves and that is just frightening for the old men in power awesome thank you yeah. cool so um see this book it, it uh the uh bewitching the elements is is coming out soon like in the next tomorrow. week was it out already tomorrow tomorrow okay awesome um it'll probably be like um we're probably gonna release this on wednesday the 15th so it'll be it'll be it'll be out by the time people are hearing this um obviously folks if you're interested in this stuff do check it out uh maybe check out craft first as a general introduction then go into this because I feel this is kind of like a like an intermediate level. Um, it is, but it also, you know, there's some overlap. I talk about grounding and casting a circle, and mm. if you you could go into either of these books without knowing much and come out, but this bewitching the elements definitely takes a little bit more of a narrow, deeper dive than covering all of the things. So yeah, I would probably recommend bewitch um, inner witch first or craft first, but. You do not need that book to be able to work with the second book with Bewitching the Elements. Awesome. So yeah, go out and find it um, not on Amazon, but um, on some other um, more independent uh, book retailer. Um, hopefully soon we'll get to go back to bookstores again. So maybe you can find it there as well. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. we, go we won't. Funny. We won't, Gareth. I know it'll be about a year. Or so, <laughs> that's I'm, that's my good news. We yeah. we won't. <laughs> but um, yeah, and um, you can check out Gabrielle on um, Instagram on Twitter. Her Instagram very highly recommended. I'm I'm becoming an Instagram guy now. Um, yeah, no, it's fun. So yeah, it, it's a, it's a fun little little distraction while I have infinite amounts of free time. Um. And where else can people find you and find your work? And um... oh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, both Gabby Herstick, um, and then my website, GabriellaHerstick.com, G A B R I E L A H E R S T I K.com. I have ritual guides and classes, and I'm starting a newsletter. So all of my contact info and stuff is on my website. But that can also be found through my Instagram and Twitter. So. Uh, you also uh, write for a few places. I think your work's been in Nylon. Uh, I know you're in Mel Magazine, because same, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, I have a column for High Times called The High, High Times, Times yes. where I talk about uh, witchcraft and cannabis. I've written for Nylon, uh, Vogue International, Glamour, uh, Lure, all the places. And all those links are on my website. Awesome. So, yeah, folks, do check it out expand your minds go go beyond into the world of strangeness and magic please you've you've got enough time um and yeah it is <clears throat> at times like this it's something that could definitely be of use to a lot of people mm. so yeah um i know obviously you didn't mean to time it like you did but it's kind of good timing yeah, yeah it, i feel like you know it this it, the Magic and ritual are more important than ever. So you know, it's like, will my book sell as much? I don't, I don't know. But like, I don't care. I feel like it's coming out at a time when it's more useful than it's ever been. So it feels yeah. a privilege to share this right now. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've I've been kind of like mulling around in my brain about COVID, about the whole virus thing, is it's it's a very feminine emergency. Like, if you imagine like like apocalypse movies, like um. Uh, uh, what's the one? Um, Armageddon and uh, all the zombie movies where like guys can go into space and it's all men and they go on a rocket and it fires a thing and blows something up or they, they're shooting zombies in the head all the time. It's all very male orientated apocalypses where you, you and your boys go around killing stuff. Uh, but this current one, like a real life actual emergency, is like the way we respond to it is through. Uh, mutual aid, caring for each other, cooking, uh, medicine. Uh, it's it, thing, things that society genders as female. We're in a, a place where the, the traditional fe uh, feminine virtues are what will get us through this. Exactly. Uh, which is probably why countries like my own and your own are doing so badly at it because we are entirely, like all the powerful people are, are very self-consciously men. They're very yeah. male about everything they do. And they can't imagine a, a space where you're going to be like, okay, we need to help people and be kind to them and care for them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, you know, uh, witchcraft has a part in that because that's what a witch does. You know, they're, they're not ladies who go out into the woods and get naked and talk about stuff. They are, witches are supposed to be wise women who help you with things, who are like proto-doctors and were often also midwives. Um, obviously, read 
Caliban and the Witch, if you haven't done so already, folks at home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I've like witch, witchcraft sp specifically out of all the different occult doctrine seems to have a, a, a strong place right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, again, just great timing on this one. Thank you. Um, so we're going to end the show with kind of, I, I self-consciously chose to talk about Satan right at the end because we're going to talk about one of like corny, corny ass satanic black metal bands, um, Archgoat. Uh, <laughs> I love these guys. Um, so they've been around, they're from Finland. They've been around 30 years. They've released an album called Black Mass Triple X, as in 30. Um, the cover like all Archgoat covers, has the title and band logo in black, and then a pencil drawing of a giant Satan goat monster eating the Vatican. Just corny, heavy metal bullshit. I love it. Um, so we're going to play the 10th song on the album, Lord of the Void, because uh, that was off their 2006 album, Whore of Bethlehem. Uh, which is kind of like their big one, but they've been pretty consistently, I mean, I'd say consistently good, but it's good if you like this sort of thing. Um, if, you're, <laughs> <laughs> if your tastes go elsewhere, if you um, are put off by their album covers of like uh, the Virgin Mary fucking a dead Jesus, then, um, <laughs> you know, it's probably not your thing. It may not be your thing. Anytime and, uh, I think about them, I feel like I've spontaneously become 13 again. I know. That's the joy. It's, it's like everything I ever drew on my high school textbooks is now in musical form by like people who are probably in their 50s. So, yeah, it, it's really atavistic, <laughs> silly nonsense. And that's why it's good. If you don't think it's good, then you're dumber than this is because you don't get... It's not like you don't get the joke, but you don't get why it's not a joke, but it simultaneously is. Yeah, you're not as advanced in the study of dialectics as we are. And so, yeah, here is uh, Lord of the Void. We're going to be back next week talking to uh, Rowan Haseo Buchanan about her new book, Starling Days. Sorry, I'm, I'm so stuffed up. It sounds like Stalin Days, like Joseph Stalin. Starling, like the bird. Um we're going to be talking about our other pet subject, which is mental health. Um, so that's, that's going to be a fun one. It starts with a suicide and goes happier from there. Um, and we're also getting, well, hopefully, a, a, a someone we've been trying to get on the show for a long time to also talk about witchcraft, specifically Caliban and the Witch. We'll, we'll see where that goes. But we've got tons of stuff lined up. Um, and we'll, we'll be doing... Probably more in the, the occult uh, area. We're going to finally be reading Promethea, Alan Moore's really like occult manifesto, basically, in comic book form. Um, just a really great comic. Love I'm that one. strongly trying to pressure Gareth into letting us do a like hyper uh, in-depth version where we just talk about every Sephiroth, or Sephir, because Sephiroth's plural, <laughs> one by one, just like the comic. <laughs> I'm not doing nine episodes on each Look. each sphere of the <laughs> divine, okay? Look! Imagine the one on Gvura. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. The Sephir of Strength. That would that, be a cool one, because it's strong. I, uh, <laughs> so, fun factoid, one of the first uh, things that I wrote for Trouble was a... Um, a uh, a review of Hallelujah by, by the band Gvura, <laughs> and it 
It had straight up a 1,000 word essay about Kabbalism and the function of Kavura in the middle of it. And he just cut it out entirely and sent me an email saying, please don't, please don't derail your art criticism with a, uh, an essay about Kabbalism longer than the discussion of the music. And I was like, no promises, Jeff. You watch your back. <laughs> you knew who you yeah. hired. <laughs> Yeah, they, they should have known what they're in for. But uh, so that's coming up. But uh, for now, here is Archgoat with Lord of the Void off Black Mass Triple X. Lord of the Void. <laughs> 